Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Peter. Please find 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll be reading the first six verses. 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 to 6. This is the word of God. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. This is God's word. It stands forever. Just this week, my wife and I were in a conversation with someone else, and my wife mentioned a um, particular woman's teacher, a lady, who at the end of her life, she'd had a productive ministry with women over many, many years. When she was about 90 years old, she made a statement that was not accepted very well by the person that she was speaking with. And the statement that this uh, woman made was that she's convinced all her years of ministering that 90% of the women that she ministered to were not believers. Went to churches, sat in Bible studies, could quote the Bible a bit, but they weren't believers. Now what do we mean when we say believer? Well, we usually mean a believer in Christ. But I'd offer you this morning that in order to be, be a believer in Christ, you have to be a believer in the scriptures. Because the scriptures tell you who Christ is. I would urge you not to depend on a vision or in a cloud formation you might have seen sometime. Oh, that's Jesus. No, our vision of Christ, our picture of Christ, our knowledge of who he is, comes to us from the scriptures. When we have a problem with the scriptures, my friends, we need to ask ourselves where we are with Christ. Did you hear me? When we have a problem with the scriptures, we need to ask ourselves where we are with Christ. Because now we've judged the scriptures which are there to judge us. And it's one way or the other, as we've often said before, Either the scriptures judge us or we judge the scriptures no third way. Here. Well, our title this morning, Ephesians from Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, and also from Colossians 3. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. You have a problem with that? Check your status with Christ. Our central idea this morning, submission in marriage of a wife to her husband 
is reasonable and right. Insubmission of a wife to her husband is wicked and deadly. We've had problems with this idea of submission of a wife to her husband in marriage. We also have a problem keeping marriages together. Anybody see a possible parallel maybe? Maybe? Last week, last two weeks we were speaking to the men and I was thinking about that even more this week. Because I want to ask the question this morning, wives, have you thought of ways where you can do a better job at being submissive to your husbands? Not a question that's asked very often, is it? Wives, can you do a better job than what you're doing? We husbands have to ask ourselves if we can do a better job of loving our wives. I've been thinking about that nourish and cherish thing this week. I was thinking, if you've seen them, they definitely, and this is an obvious thing, they definitely nourish and cherish their vehicle. You can spot them. I can. Uh, I don't nourish and cherish my vehicle, and you can tell. It's that hard to figure out. And I admire a nourished and cherished vehicle. I do. You can, you can see. You really can. It's a, boy, somebody spends a lot of time polishing that truck. So often it's, I don't know why I just noticed the pickup trucks more. Maybe it's because I'm a guy. I don't know. But it's the pickup trucks that I notice. Somebody is nourishing and cherishing that pickup truck. And I begin to ask myself, um, do I nourish and cherish my wife like that person and cherishing his pickup truck? Or am I nourishing and cherishing my wife like I nourish and cherish my car? Basic maintenance and we're good. That's all we need. We're okay. Nourish and cherish. Yeah, we expect the men, the husbands, to nourish and cherish to love their wives. But we all must, must also expect the ladies, the married ladies, to be submissive to their husbands and to work at it and to be good at it and to be skilled at that particular endeavor. Once again, submission in marriage of a wife to her husband is reasonable and right. Insubmission of a wife to her husband is wicked and deadly. Now, I said this already that there was some problems with um, some folks that have a problem with this idea of submission in marriage. A few years ago, I was involved in a Facebook discussion, online discussion, and um, some people were attacking the idea of submission in marriage. And they said, well, you know, the word isn't really there in the Colossians passage and in certain manuscripts and so forth. Again, a little, little discussion there. Well, it's, it's other places, but we were talking about that right there. And so I jumped in. I said, well, you know, Colossians passage isn't the only, in the Ephesians passage, isn't, isn't the only, where, only place where it's being said, submission in marriage. It says it other places. And I went to 1 Peter, which we just read. Even as Sarah obeyed, that word obey. A word that used to be in marriage vows, if you look back a little ways. But in our modern, enlightened times, we're doing away with that word obey in our marriage vows. Have you noticed that? It not show up as much as it did. 
But even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord. So I mentioned this in the online discussion. And didn't some young person come back? They were young and female. Hopefully that has nothing to do with it, but maybe it does. And this young lady, I use the word lady loosely in this case, come back and say, well, you know, Peter, he wasn't the greatest guy either. Ah, yes, yeah, she's capable of judging Peter. She is capable of judging the eternal word of God because it doesn't comport with what her ideas are. That's a young lady that had better check her status with Christ. She doesn't have to agree with every angle that I have on submission in marriage or anything, or, not, well, or most other things. But to dismiss what Peter is saying because he was an imperfect man is to dismiss not only Peter, but all of Scripture. Moses, everybody else. This is going on out there, my friends. It's happening because we know better. So three points this morning. Number one, understanding the scriptural background and context. We cannot reason with the unreasonable. Let's get that through our heads when we approach this topic. And number two, let me see if I can, you know, I got, I got myself a little bit too, uh, Actually, we'll just, we'll just do uh, two, two points here this morning. It's all we have time for, actually. We need to understand what the scriptural requirement is here. We need to get this. We need to understand what the scripture is, is calling us to do here. Under number one, understand the scriptural background and context. We cannot reason with the unreasonable. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We've been here before. This is some place where we need to go back to, especially with this topic. 1 Corinthians 1, 21. 1 Corinthians 1, 21. Start with verse 20. Where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Then verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And here's our key. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Are you and I as believers okay with that? Well, you have to be, it's the word of God. But are we striving to water down the word of God to make it acceptable to fools? Which is what this word of God tells them, the ones who are unbelieving and perishing. Fools. Fools. Do I get exercised over this? What's my problem? We cannot reason with unreasonable people, folks. And if we are preaching the scriptures to people who embrace foolishness, then the eternal word of God is gonna sound foolish to them. 
Now, of course, today, we know better than Paul. So in verse 22, where it says, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and the Greeks foolishness, we would want to counsel Paul, of course, and say, Paul, you know some of the things you're saying, pretty much everything that you're saying, it's a stumbling block to the Jews and it's foolishness to the Greeks. And Paul says, I know. I'm aware of this. You see, we're supposed to nowadays, when it comes to marriage, sound reasonable to people who hate marriage and who, people who can't keep a marriage together themselves. And yet we have to bring the word of God to these people and sound reasonable. My friends, we can't. And Paul understood this. We preach Christ crucified and all that that entails. And we depend on the Holy Spirit to break through their hard, cold conscience. Paul understood that his listeners would see what he's saying as foolishness and a stumbling block. Do you and I understand that this day? We're supposed to sound reasonable. Think about, think about this, my friends. You and I are somehow supposed to sound reasonable to people who believe that it's legitimate to cut off body parts of children. Did you hear me on that? There are people that will defend the idea of cutting off body parts of children. And we're supposed to sound reasonable to them? Their reason's cooked, my friends. Like that Thanksgiving turkey coming up in a month and a half. It's over for their reasonableness. Their foolishness is prevalent. Let's turn back to our, our passage here under the background and context, the context of what we're, of our, the times that we're living in. Turn with me back to Ephesians chapter 5, and I, we're going to spend some time here today in Ephesians 5. And we're going to spend five, time in 5.22 through 25. Actually, 22-23 for the most part, 20 through 24, excuse me. Where it starts out, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And we'll spend some time on that. But backing up a little bit, that's this week and next week. We've got this verse that a lot of people trip over. Verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And some people will say, well, see there, we don't wives don't really have to submit themselves to their husbands. They're supposed to be submit to each other. It's mutual submission in marriage is what it is, see? Anybody ever heard that? I've heard that multiple times. You know what that tells me? It tells me these people are frauds and hypocrites. You know why? Apparently they don't have a problem with submission. See, I mean, they're all about it in verse 21. All about submission. They do have a problem with it in marriage. And the people that preach this kind of thing are the ones that don't have a problem with submission, but they got a problem with it in marriage. They're all about it otherwise. And we're going to see in this brief time of, of message, probably more next week, that these same people that have such a problem with submission in marriage are wholesale all about it, not between the husband and the wife, but they're all about it when it comes to the state and the citizen. They're all about it then. Oh, they'll preach it loud and long. Obey the government, the husband. 
hypocrites, charlatans. Why do you have such a problem with submission in marriage, but then the verse before in Ephesians 5.21, submitting yourselves to each other. Oh, we're all good with that. That sounds like a really good plan. But wife to husband, nah. Some examples of what I'm talking about. From momjunction.com. Just so scared of this word submission. Momjunction.com. We have 13 ways to respect your husband and nine ways to admire your husband. And that would be zero ways to submit to you. Yeah. Also, from BibleReference.com. Speaking of Colossians and Ephesians, wives being submissive to your husband. And, and, and remember, they're speaking of the, the, the verse itself. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord in, in Colossians. Okay? Somehow, we're going to get the husbands in on this little explanation now. You've noticed that, right? Whenever we come across this passage, wives, submit to your husbands, somehow the, 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 the husbands and their irresponsibility and their failures often sneak into the explanation. We have time for the failures of the husbands. But right now we're talking about wives, and that's what, that's what Paul's talking about here. And so from BibleReference.com, and this is, I, I found this to be somewhat typical. This type of commitment from a wife towards her husband is considered fitting to God. In other words, it is appropriate for a Christian woman to live in a caring relationship with her husband and this includes allowing him to lead the family. Okay. Bad, I guess. But that S word, we just can't quite do it, can we? The submissive word. Can't quite get there. And then we get to the meat of the, of the comment. You ready? Sadly, there are many examples of Christian men who have not led their family well. <laughs> That didn't take long, did it? We're talking about a verse that says, wives, submit to your husbands, right? And we can't even mention the word. And then two or three sentences in, yeah, those stinking husbands again. That didn't take long. Now, however, in the context of how God intends the family to operate, the fitting picture is that of a godly husband who loves his wife and is gentle with her. She, in turn, offers similar kindness to him and supports her husband's role as the leader of the family. Not bad, I guess. But we just can't go there to that S word. What is our problem here? I want to go back to that absurd inconsistency, even hypocrisy, of those who would force near unconditional submission in the state but highly qualified submission in marriage. I'm going to say that again. There are those who would have near unconditional submission in the state, but highly qualified submission in marriage. Romans 13.1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Romans 13.5, wherefore you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. Titus 3.1, 
put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready for every good work. 1 Peter 2.13, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king or supreme. Well, what do we say as pastors when we're preaching that? Do we not most of the time throw out near unconditional submission and we're okay with it? Why is it that we're okay with submission in the state and we, have, we just trip over it when it comes to marriage? Why? I submit to you the reason is we don't really believe the word of God. The people shaping our consciences and our desires and our knowledge are people that don't believe the scriptures and don't believe in Christ. And we'd rather placate them than believe the Bible here. Well, the scriptural emphasis mentioned multiple times. And I've seen people twist over one particular passage, twist themselves into a knot over one particular passage. Well, it really doesn't say this when it comes to submission. Well, let's see what the Bible actually has to say. And the same word, the same Greek word, which we'll look at a little bit later, what it means. That word submit is a good word. It's an accurate translation. Here you go. You ready? The scriptural emphasis. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, from Ephesians 5.22. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, this is Ephesians 5.24, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Colossians 3.18, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Titus 2.5, to be discreet, speaking of wives, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient, there's our word, same word, to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. 1 Peter 3.1, so we've got Paul in Colossians and Ephesians and in Titus. Now we have Peter. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. There's a word, subjection, that if any obey not in the word, that they may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. And 1 Peter 3.5, for this manner in the old time, we read this earlier, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. This word, this word that we're talking about being subjection, what's it mean? Well, I found six different meanings, but they're not different meanings. They're pretty much all the same. Here they are to arrange under, to subordinate, to subject, be put in subjection, to subject oneself, obey, to submit to one's control, to yield one's admonition or advice, to obey, be subject. And the com commentators will tell you this word is a military term. And we all understand what it means to obey when you're in the military. I think we have some sort of idea about that. Well, let's look at the passage here as we wrap up. Wives, verse 22, submit yourselves, this is Ephesians 5, to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Here's what I want you to see. A couple weeks ago, 
we saw from verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And we spent some time pointing out that the example of love of a husband for a wife is already given for us, not with a husband to a wife, but with Christ to the church. In other words, Paul just doesn't say, hey, love your wives, or let's go on to something else. He says, no, this is what love looks like. We have an example here. We have something we can see. It's what Christ did for his church. We can see it. Have you noticed that Paul is using the exact same illustration that applies to the, to the husband to the wife? It's the same one. Let's read it again. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as a church is subject to Christ, our word there again, same word, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. My friends, if the illustration of loving one's wife comes from Christ, as a husband is supposed to love their wives or his wife. We have the same illustration of a wife being in subjection to her husband. It's, it's the same illustration. It's still Christ here. Now, I don't need to go on and on, I suppose, and on and on and on, although I am tempted to, about why we have such a problem with this. And we're going to talk more about this next week. But here's the, here's the thing. I, I feel the need to go to talk about this and talk about the context because this is under attack here. And my friends, you can't, you can't preach on the family without preaching on this topic. It, 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 it cannot be done. It cannot be ignored. This idea of wifely submission in marriage is under severe attack. And can we please be done as we wrap up here this morning and get towards application, can we please be finished with this idea that if the wife has a problem, it's automatically the husband's fault? Can we, can we, can we stop that, please? The Bible tells us different. Just one verse for your consideration this morning from Proverbs. Every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish woman plucks it down with her own hands agree that there's such a thing as a foolish woman with her own hands? Can, can, we, can we agree on that point? Can, can we agree on the point that just as it's possible for a husband not to love his wife, that it's also possible for, for a wife to be a backbiting person? Can we agree on that point? What I'm trying to say right now is Let's have everybody take responsibility for themselves. You know how our culture goes now? If a husband doesn't love a wife, it's a husband's fault. If a wife isn't submissive to her husband, it's a husband's fault. That, that, that's, that's our culture right now. And of course there's interaction there. Of course there's a lot to discuss. Of course there's a lot of dynamics. But can we get away from this bad idea that a wife somehow can't be a bad person unless she's got a rotten husband and then she has an excuse? Stop it. It's really an attack on the gospel that we are all totally depraved 
And none of us have an excuse to sin. And none of us has an opportunity to blame someone else for my sin. We need to stop it in our, in our conversation and in our application for sure. Well, how to apply what we've said here this morning. I'm going to go back to what I asked early on. Wives, ask yourself this morning, how good are you? How effective are you at being in submission to your own husband? We just read that this is repeated. This is, this is not a theme that's in a corner someplace. Now, we need to take all of Scripture seriously, even if it says it one time. But when you have Paul on multiple occasions, Philippi, excuse me, Colossians, Ephesians, and Titus, and Peter chiming in as well, it is really time to take this seriously. By way of application, I'm going to reference something that happened with Moses. You might remember Moses. He was called by God to deliver the children of Israel. Big job. Huge job. You're going to deliver these people from the main superpower of the day. I have seen cases where women decide that their husband isn't worth it anymore. And so what they say is, well, I'm going to be a submissive wife. I'm just not going to say anything. He's a jerk. He's been a jerk. I'm going to let him be a jerk, and I'm not going to help him out at all. Let me ask you this question, though. Is that really what, this is, what the Bible is really teaching us? Do you remember Moses' wife? The Bible has nothing bad to say about Moses' wife. Ah... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it would have been like to have been married to Moses, but I don't think it would have been an easy task. I think that would have been pretty rough. Can you imagine him bringing his problems home? Do you remember what happened, though, when he refused or failed to circumcise his children? Remember that? And she called her husband a bloody husband. Wow. Wow. But you know what happened before that? It says the Lord was trying to kill Moses. The Lord was seeking to kill Moses. And his wife meets him and she says, look. She basically says, look, you wouldn't do your job. I did your job for you, but you were responsible to do this. I just did your job, is what she said. Submissive wife or insubmissive wife? Tell you what. That's a wife who's looking out for her husband. She's looking out for him because the Lord is seeking to kill him because he is about to lead these people away from, away from Egypt and he's not even doing the most basic responsibility in his own home. And his good and loving wife points that out to him. Don't think that by being passive, you're being submissive. Don't think that. No, no, no. A good, submissive wife looks out for the, her, the best for her husband, even if it's a difficult confrontation like Moses' wife had to do with Moses. This is a thing I've seen before. Maybe you've seen the same thing. A wife who quits, who's done, and says, you know what? I'm going to stand on the sidelines while my husband bumps his head and ruins everything because that's what he deserves. Remember last week we talked about husbands being bitter towards their wives because they deserve it? 
Well, the same thing is going on here. You can't do that. You and I are to obey God, and we've got our excuses why we can't obey him. But while we're working through our excuses, I think Christ had bigger excuses than we ever had. Love this church? Are you kidding me? Love these people? There's an excuse. Now, my friends, wifely submission is taught in multiple occasions in the scriptures. Wives, wives, how hard are you working at this particular injunction and yes, command in the scriptures? I hope this morning you're encouraged to work even harder at it if you're working at it now. If you're not working at it now, to begin working at it. Shall we pray? We thank you, Lord, for your institution, marriage. And you've told us how it's supposed to work. And you've told us what our responsibilities are in your wonderful institution. And forgive us for overlooking and ignoring and even disparaging what you've told us. May that not be true of us, O Lord. And we pray especially that in this church, that husbands and wives, moms and dads and children would work hard at obeying what your word tells us. That even as it was prayed earlier today, that the families in this church would be shining examples of what civilization looks like. Civilization in our homes, because if we don't have it in our homes, we're not going to have it anywhere else. And we thank you, Lord, for the directives that you give us that we can read and understand and study. And we know that marriage is a wonderful institution because it came from you, not from us. Help us, O oh Lord, to be the best we can be in marriage and family. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.